Well, welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Dwarf Fortress Talk. This is episode number five, I believe. That's right, number five. How do you say that in Spanish? Numero cinco. Cinco. Arriba. <laughs> All right, so we so, are um, we are here with Rainseeker, your host, and Captain Tastic, your other host. That's and me. That's that's Captain Tastic right there. We Captain have Tastic. different voices. We do have different voices. <laughs> this is me. Hello. This is Captain Tastic. Hello. See, he he pauses. Yeah. That's how you can know. I either pause or I don't. That's how you can tell. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and then here is our um, illustrious leader, Mr. Tarn Adams. Hello. Pretend that the lust part is in bold. <laughs> And our um, and our topic today is Captain Procedural Cultures and how they will affect the future of Dwarf Fortress, your favorite game. <laughs> That's awesome. So you can do that on cue. And uh, what we're gonna do is we're not gonna have a vote. We're just gonna go ahead and next week uh, or next month rather, because everyone loves it so much, we're gonna do adventure mode and um, make everyone happy. Um, we probably will be addressing to some extent. Um, battle specifics as they come up. And if you guys want to continue to ask questions about specific battle question, you know, battle or piercing spleen questions, you can uh, send them to our question email address. That's right. Which, That's uh, Tody1 at bay12games.com. And make sure you put DF uh, talk question as the subject. It's yeah. question for DF Talk. Is it question for DF Talk? See, I'm not good yes, at this. Yes, it job. is. I have the emails here. Oh, that's yeah. intense. Keep in mind that they go to they go to all of us. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, keep in mind please. that. So if if you have a kind of a sultry letter to Tarn, you probably yeah. want to have a different uh, you know, subject. <laughs> yeah, question yeah. for DF Talk. Maybe I should put the other one in. Or if you have a sultry people. letter that you want to get to all three of us, <laughs> save time. Well, there were all those cosplay pictures, right? Yeah. And then, Zombie groundhog and such. Ah, mister, we're doing battle specifics now, are we? What's this? <laughs> we're going to study biting and scratching? Is that right? Is that right? What does the muscle Bite. of my wrist look Claw. like? Claw. Ouch. Okay, so um, <laughs> I guess we're going to talk about procedural culture now. That's right. That's right. So um, what what is your original vision for, for culture uh, ah. when you first uh, started working on Dwarf Fortress? Um, so, it's, maybe it's a culture where there's no cats. No cats at all. Let's just scratch it. Ouch. Um, so, the, the, I mean, originally, we, ah, jeez. <laughs> okay. Little kitty's about to get evicted. You love to be evicted, don't you? Ah, shoot. <laughs> Ow. This is not for playing, Mr. Camps. This is not. <laughs> okay, he managed to get the whole headphone cord wrapped around his body, and then he jumped off the chair. <laughs> so that hurt my neck. Good job. Okay, you can just stay under there. All right, that's a good place for guys. All right. So, yeah, I'm I mean, fine uh, continuing like this. I mean, <laughs> this is entertainment. Yeah, it would be if I weren't dying here. this. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so so the original vision for the i mean it's always evolving really i mean we had we had originally we 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 had in our earlier games just kind of these fantasy settlements and so on with uh 
with humans and other uh other a few other uh types of critters like dwarves and so on and uh we we added um uh, a, a few more but uh it wasn't in the raws or anything like that and then we moved them out to the raws and so on uh, with with um you so you can you can put your own races in and and uh those kind of hard coded ethics that are in there now and a few things about you know what items they can use and what jobs uh you're going to find uh, people milling around the cities eating food out of magic barrels having jobs um that they don't do uh, and and that i mean the, the 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 vision there has been changing over time so when we say original you know back a, back you know say 3 or 4 years ago it wasn't kind of a crucial part of the game having cultures that evolve but once you get started and have a have a world that that uh is just sitting there and it's got uh mister it's and it's got it's got uh, uh civilizations that are all sitting there and they're all very similar then you need to uh, like the need for variability arose uh pretty quickly and so the first thing we did was just vary their clothing and so on but then you need, you know, just instead of variation in space, you also kind of want want to start thinking about variation over over the time, and that's that's when when this, these notions started coming up in maybe the past uh, couple years, thinking about uh, what what kind of variations we'd like um, uh, to have happen to cultures uh, over over time. Aside from weapons and uh, you know clothing, like you're gonna have. Like guys in robes and guys in like pants. Uh, will there also be different perceptions of guys in robes and guys in pants? <laughs> yeah. So so now now we're talking like perceptions of them like like when someone walks into a town dressed yeah, in a certain like, way. Like yeah. this guy's wearing a turban. That means <laughs> you know I don't know what a turban is. Yeah, I mean it would be it would be it, it's it's one of those things that that I think came up when I mean when was the first time we started thinking about this kind of thing is like back in Daggerfall or something it's like you can dress yourself in that game you have your little your little model there um not a not like a 3D model but just your your person's uh when you look at your stats paper doll. You, yeah you see you see your little yeah your little paper doll you can dress up with with little hats and weird outfits and and uh you know, just you can dress pretty much however you want. There's millions of choices, but when you walk into town and you're like, "Hey, where's the weapon store?" They tell you where it is instead of thinking, you know, maybe we don't want this person to have more weapons because they look really, really, really freaky. <laughs> and uh, this is this is the um, this is the kind of thing. So we're thinking, you know, people really need to react to that. I mean, right now the people in adventure mode just react if you typed your own name. They're like, "Huh, I never heard that name before," <laughs> or whatever. So it's, I mean, it's just that's, I mean, that's just kind of a uh, a little token to keep in mind that we want people to to be able to react to things that are different. So it, and it's and it's easy enough to 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 implement that kind of thing because each society has the kind of clothing that they recognize. And they'd also be able to very, very quickly cross, kind of reference that with any of the civilizations they know. So if you came, if like if the people in the north wear masks or something, there's like these these civilizations that wear masks and so on. Uh, if you if you came down to a to a southern place wearing a mask, they'd just be like, oh, it's a person from the north, and they they'd try and treat you that way. I mean, there's of course a lot of work to do there with with uh, dialogue and all that kind of thing. 
which is a uh, you know an additional topic, but but the uh, the the idea is that is that they they'd be able to do that now. You know the the you can always just sit here and talk about features without promising anything, but uh, and timelines and all that kind of thing. So I'm not sure when when that sort of thing comes up because we've got we've got that level of variability already already with the clothing, and then there's things that don't vary right now like the ethics which should vary, and you know what when what 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 comes first and what comes later. I think I think the first thing probably is just kind of like a general notion of what your 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 reputation is uh, when we start the adventurer uh, skills stuff and the adventurer entities when you can kind of organize your your party into more of a group that's recognized as having accomplished things and so on and then people would be able to react to you differently and once we get that notion of people i mean aside from just killing you if you like pick up the wrong item and walk out of a store or something uh or or just killing random people and having them kill you right back and all that kind of thing uh, that 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 notion of having different reactions that are that are based on what you've done, um, and have it kind of separated entirely from any notion of something being being a scripted plot or anything like that. So they just kind of know the things you were done and treat you how you should be treated. Then it's it's pretty easy to start moving on to just say if you know if you walk into a town with a giant sword. And you're not one of the guards in the town, then you know having that raise some kind of flag, and 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 have people react differently, is a very 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 short step from from just having the initial reactions depend on something besides your name. So I think I think it's 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 not it's not it's not that far away that we'll start seeing some of these things, and then it's just a matter of you know what things should they react to and and. You know, there, there's there's notions like if like wearing a sword, for example, in certain places, like if you go to some some very peaceful uh, community far away from any kind of trouble, then that might raise more of a flag than if you're you're out in a kind of frontier location and there's wild beasts all over the place and you'd kind of be crazy not to have one. It can it can it can. It can keep track of those notions. Again, this is it's it's not it's not really difficult. It's just a matter of of um, prioritizing those things. And I, I, then when you've got an ethic associated with that, I mean, this is really going to build up those those ethics lists for the for the civilizations. And that's again when we need ethics to be malleable for for civilizations. I mean, right now the the infrastructure is there to allow them to be different, but it's never used. So I mean it it should be it should be interesting to to slowly start tackling that stuff and and like I was saying the the doorway there is probably the adventure entities and your reputations through those through those entities. And so you could potentially have you know prejudices crop up between different um, factions and uh, nations I assume. Yeah, yeah, because it's not just, I mean, right now there's just like, are you at war or not, <laughs> pretty much. And those, those come up through ethical differences, but in, in world generation, but those are never realized during the game. So if, if, if dwarves don't like elves, for example, for, for various reasons, that'll start world generation wars. It'll also, also start dwarf mode wars and kind of those scripted ways over tree agreements and all that kind of thing. But if you were a dwarf, Walking into an, an elven forest in adventure mode, if those civilizations weren't at war in world generation, you just walk in there, or as a result of your your fortress mode game, then you just walk in there, 
and they would treat you like an elf pretty much i mean they they would they would not um i i mean I, there 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 might be different dialogue for I, I don't recall if there's different dialogue if you're not part of their civilization or not probably not uh but if there is um uh that would be the extent the greeting would be the extent of the difference so that that's that's kind of bizarre right i mean it's that's one of these things that take you out of the moment completely uh because I mean, there should be problems there. You should be surrounded by guards or something. I mean, depending on how how paranoid the 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 culture is and so on. And uh, and it it I mean, I guess these things would have to come out of uh, prior history, though. I mean, it's one of those one of those one of those questions you have to answer is how does a a society react to something that's completely novel? Because if the elves and dwarves never interacted during world generation simply because they were far apart and right now there's no notions of trade caravans or anything when you bring your character from one to the other for the first time that really is in all of world history kind of a first contact moment yeah so, you'd be surrounded by guards and children yeah it'd just be it'd just be <laughs> bizarre they they put curious. you in a little cage and haul you off and put flowers in your hair and then start worshiping you or something i mean it's just who knows right it's 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 one of those things that the game doesn't doesn't respect right now and you know as for how to handle that i mean should that be an, an ethics thing in the i mean the the ethics lists in the raws are a a list of um, a kind of a pre-made culture for a group that's going to be created during world generation and then suddenly have that culture. I mean, this is so that you can have the flavor in the, in the universe that you want to have for, for, especially when you're modding in things where you have some notions of how they should behave and so on. Uh, like an elf or a dwarf, uh, you want those to behave certain ways in general. And so you, you create these, these preconceived cultures for them. Now, that 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 kind of doesn't respect how a culture might emerge. There's no notion of an emergent culture right now that's that's built up through uh, racial traits and geography and history and so on. And those the, those those kinds of things should come up at least after the fact. Like you've got these these civilizations, but they should they should be able to to change. Uh, right. A little bit uh, once play begins, at least, right? I right. mean, you, you can't. I mean, it's kind of hard to simulate all of the. I mean, well, it's not really hard to give a really crappy simula- simulation for an, an evolved culture. I mean, you plop the ten guys down; they have no ethics, and then you just examine, you know, how how um, crazy are the monsters in that area, and what kind of resources are there, and then you know, bring up some silly silly model for how that would determine the ethics in in some way and then put a giant random element on it and slap them down you've got uh, you know a procedural starting point but it's um it's you know that's not it's not necessarily compelling i mean it's 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 uh, it's it's interesting to 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 have the have the variation that certainly should be in there and the, but the main thing is how how variation can occur through the through the history that occurs once the history starts and um yeah, that's and that's that's kind of a a step by step process, right. uh, just putting in different influences and changes, and you know what happens if you have um, uh, you know several goblins somehow get assimilated into an elven society or something, and then all the elves get killed, and then the goblins uh, found a little thing up in the mountain. Uh, 
somehow when they get chased out of the forest, then what are they? You know, what do these goblins think? And does that lead to a whole kind of like goblin movement coming down from the mountains to reclaim the forests and stuff or something? I mean, it's all they are the true elves. Yeah, it's all very weird, right? I mean, that 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 kind of thing. I mean, right now, it's 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 kind of strange because the it, it works. I mean, normally you think the hard part is getting the changes to occur, but right now there are too many changes in a way. I mean, if you if, if, like kidnapped goblins and I mean kidnapped dwarves and humans and elves and so on assimilate immediately, and societies that are uh, conquered by say the dwarves and then get a dwarven overlord put over there, they're assimilated immediately, and then they go on to spread that culture. Um, entirely without maintaining their previous one, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's kind of the opposite problem of uh, of implementing cultural diffusion or whatever. I mean, it's or an assimilation. It's 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 uh, and and the interest comes when you do it halfway, right? Because the the main thing that's missing from the game in terms of world generation and and everything about making that interesting is the notion of, of conflict. Um, not like a war, but an internal conflict within one person that drives their decision making. And uh, having multiple cultural cultural kind of um, backgrounds for a single person uh, is, a, is a great way to do that. And that's really the, the foundation of a lot of literature and so on, right? Um, having having uh, those kind of conflicting um, backgrounds and so on so it it yeah it's 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 one of those things that that's gonna would start to be realized when you have the leaders moving around and in in uh during play and during which is not too far away just getting getting more personal decision making in for for the leaders and so on uh then it would there'd be more of an impetus to to draw on that kind of uh information but uh, yeah, I mean that, that leads to some challenges, right? Because if you've got a thousand, hundred thousand people or whatever, you can't keep track of every every little thing about what they think and and all that kind of stuff. So it's really uh, the the important decision makers are the ones that are going to be done first. I mean, it has all their backgrounds saved, right? It's it has all the historical events that that led up to their uh, uh, their present time and all of their previous entity affiliations and so on. So. It can have a pretty good background, but what it really needs is a snapshot sitting in their head of what what their current sort of ethical beliefs and value system is. And then it'll be easy to f- filter decisions through that and just have that kind of vary over time as they move from place to place and uh, various uh, things happen to them that move them from culture to culture and um, as they're exposed to, to other cultures. I mean, there's really not a lot of um, the, one of the main things we're missing is kind of an exchange uh, between two cultures that doesn't involve them just killing each other, right? I mean, there's not a notion of trade or alliance during world generation that can build up that that sort of thing. And then when you get into regular play, it's it's all just the same thing over again. When your adventure is running around, you are kind of an agent of of uh, of cultural diffusion, right? As you right. as you go from place to place, so that should have some kind of effect. I mean, it'd be cool not for just them to judge you based on the clothing that you're wearing, but also to look at your clothing. And then if you do something heroic for the town, there are some dev goals about them, like naming their kids after you and all that kind of thing. But <laughs> but you know, what if they started dressing like you, but they're also dressing in the clothing of the of the South or whatever. Um, of the southern culture as opposed to their own their own one whatever direction we're using this time in the example um, 
and then you know it would be cool if that if that started to lead to to some kind of tension i mean we've already got the personal uh the personality um facet for traditionalism right traditional versus um people that like to to branch out and experiment and i mean that would be very interesting right to have to have someone's kid dress up like you and then their their parent would would be like you know what are you doing you've got to wear your robe <laughs> And uh, it's that it's that kind of thing that that I mean, hopefully, it really right. all hinges on the um, just the the personal goals and the personal decision making upgrades that are coming before the sieges. Uh, yeah, who knows what? Well, that's that's part of the part of the excitement of the game is uh, seeing what kind of things it comes up with that you didn't come up with yourself. So. Uh, when people when people start doing all kinds of crazy things, we'll just have to revel in in the uh, in the horror. <laughs> well, the color purple is so on right now. The adventurer came through town was wearing purple leather armor. It's just amazing. <laughs> That's right. You can you can go to the tavern and they'll all be talking about you. Exactly. That'd be uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be cool if you could disguise yourself and sneak in and then listen to people's conversations about you. Yeah, I mean that that would be one of those challenges. I wonder if I mean the, the interface for that is kind of interesting, right? It's like if you're trying to dress like a local, yeah. um, there should be things that give you away, right? But there's right. right now there's not, and I mean right now the only thing that would give you away is if you were like, you know, wearing giant black boots instead of the traditional sandals or something. And I mean there should be subtle things about how your how your 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 hair is styled or your your belt is buckled, or little things like that that aren't even, yeah, that aren't even tracked, right? And accents and things like that, and, and hand gestures, like if you do, if you count on your fingers differently from one place to another or whatever, there's all kinds of things, right? And, uh, and, uh, I mean, to track that, I mean, the, the main thing there is, is just the amount of information stored and the resolution of, of what information it displays. I mean, uh, it's 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 like it would be annoying to have to like micromanage your your like clothing flaps and po- pockets and things. It's like oh I've got to put this one over this one this time or whatever. Uh, I mean there should just be some kind of some kind of overall skill that just says prep for this area. You're familiar with its culture and you kind of set it up. It's like uh, kind of an awareness or disguise type skill or something. And then you can screw up and it can kind of. Uh, it can kind of store in the background what your screw-ups are that you don't know about and then reveal them later or something. Uh, that, that would be a, a less cumbersome way to handle it, I guess. But yeah, no, that'd be, that, yeah, that would all be kind of really exciting. And again, yeah. it's, it's, uh, Especially if you've been hired to be a spy for an, another, another empire <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah, if you weren't just hired to go kill people. I guess, well, I guess it applies for that too, right? Even then. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, well, mister. What are you burrowing under the keyboard for? Keyboards are not for burrowing. <laughs> what is under there? I'm going to lift up the keyboard. If there's nothing there, you've got a real problem. Oh, there's a quarter. You found a quarter. Use a money-seeking cat. I've got a quarter. I'm going to throw the quarter across the room. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Whee! Whoa, there he goes, bolting out of the room, chasing the money. Uh, yeah, this month's donation-a-thon has really taken off. Yeah, that's a, yeah. it's been awesome. It's a scamp, <laughs> Scamps follows the money. 20, 25 cents. I wish you could get him investigating presidents and stuff. Follow the money. Follow the money. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, and Akazar, Akazar, no you. So I'll have to th- thank him for setting up you. the, uh, Akazar? If you, you mean if you put the U, like Aquazar? Yeah. 
No, no. I think he sent me an email or a message or something. It'd be funny if he sends private messages to everybody that gets it wrong. It's like, this is your first warning. Oh, but he's got a no. I guess I guess it's a common problem because like, you know people just assume, oh, there's a Q. I'm going to follow that up with a U. Yeah, yeah, and you should get you should get sinister warnings if you mess that up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been awesome. It's been uh, uh it, it's been a very very good month. And yes. um. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who's been donating. Yeah, yeah. all these, all these Thank awesome people. So, procedural cultures and all that—that's really great for adventure mode. But also, I was thinking, you know, how will it affect fortress type modes, settlement modes, civilization modes? Will uh, cultures prefer certain building materials? Will you get some sort of benefit for say your culture likes granite blocks you know granite that's, blocks building yeah holes. yeah i mean it's 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 uh it's it's it, fortress mode is is always a kind of a difficult thing because yeah, you, want you want to, to be able to do you want to be able, you, yeah you want to be able to do whatever you want and so if you're if you're if your guys are really you know into granite i mean that's and you build out of marble or something that yeah. should that shouldn't be the end of the world however <laughs> However, I think I think they should, you know, get at least, especially the traditionalists and the, yeah. the should should get warm fuzzy thoughts, walking by granite statues and so on. They're like, ah, it's old granite or whatever, and you know, just, just <laughs> sit there and lean up against the statue and just kind of enter a bliss wow. world or something. Yes. So, I'm so definitely thinking that, uh, like, your civilization as a whole would like maybe spread rumors about you if you didn't update conditions like oh those, those weirdos making making statues out of you know granite instead of you know marble yeah i think it's a stiff i mean yeah it's a really it's a really kind of tough call right because what if you're what if you're uh i th- i mean yeah it'd be cool i guess if the, if the if the if the personality came into play in in say the following way you have your outpost liaison show up right and your outpost liaison, let's say that he rolled like a, you know, he's 99% traditionalist or whatever, just, you know, whacked up there. And then he is going to meet with your king and he's, he wanders into the front door and there, you know, there's the gate. And on either side, there are, you know, micro Klein statues or something. And it's just gaudy, gaudy, kind of like nouveau dwarf, non-granite uh, crap. And, ah, what's this? <laughs> yeah, and and then right at that point, he could. I mean, it'd be it'd be cool if when he rolls the same. It's not like it's an additional thing because he rolls the same checks, right? You know, admired a fine door recently, admired that. So what if he I sees the statue, to? rolls that check, and it's like, well, he didn't admire the microcline statue lately. Did not. It's just like was you know shocked and awed by the microcline statue, and and just kind of stops. Ah. Ah, this is terrible. This is be, you know, it could it could alert you to it or something. It could be like there is a you know a dipl- <laughs> diplomatic disaster pending or something. You have to pull up your reports and it's like the outpost is sitting there staring at the microcline statue and. What have these dwarves come to? You know, you you'd have to I don't know send a guy out and tell him that the elves left it there and you were just about to haul it off. Oh, that old thing. Oh, the uh, the elves left in here and uh, we're about to throw them out. Oh, well, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you want to do? Would you like to lie? Would you like to tell? <laughs> yeah, so you could also spread. You could also spread like fashions and trends. It's like, oh, he's gonna go back home. Said, man, those guys really have it happening over there. They got the whole like 
no, you know, uh, microclang there. Yeah, oh, and I guess your your next uh, your next immigration wave would just be a bunch of dwarven runaways or something. Like all these kids come and they just want to check hipsters. out the yeah all the hipsters <laughs> and 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 and, uh, and uh, various drug addicts and so on can come spilling into your fortress and. <laughs> See, and then we have liberal, yeah, liberal dwarf squad. And, you know, <laughs> everything's a circle. Yeah, but but and and also there's there's the issue of the this comes back to kind of again the the kind of internal groups within your fortress like the religions and guilds and so on because they all have the same cultural and ethical uh, setups as well and each of those can kind of can kind of come into play again uh, as far as determining what kind of the overall cultural makeup of, of your fortress is. And that's another way that cultures can, can change over time is by introducing new subgroups. Um, and I mean, right now, I, I'm not really sure how religions start during dwarf mode or so on, or if it, I mean, it could be that pilgrims arrive and start, start, uh, preaching about things or, or a dwarf could have a, a revelation of, uh, or, or there could just be, you know, your, 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 Pioneer guys, your seven guys, all come there with their own beliefs to begin with, which is how it works now. And they could then, um, you know, when you when you come, when it comes time that your your fortress is large enough for you to set up um, some kind of uh, temples or whatever the the dwarves end up end up having for that kind of thing, then um, you you could uh, you could at that point have have the 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 subculture, the religious subculture, spring up. Around those locations, and uh, then then it just you know the the whole aesthetics of that of that group can start coming into to play when they when they interact with with different objects in your fortress and other people come and you know the the outpost liaison again could be you know accosted by worshippers of a you know a certain religion um, either in a peaceful way or non peaceful way all that kind of thing uh, so I guess I mean it's 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 all. Uh, it's all kind of a big, a big mishmash, and again, uh, the the important part is when you when you have um, dwarves that kind of overlap in in several of those groups. Um, I mean, it could both be that the outpost liaison um, self is a uh, you know fits into one of those groups, like had been a miner during the first ten years during world generation, and so is very predisposed to your. Your miners guild guys and, and you know chats a few of them up when they meet in the hallway and so on and then you know overall has a good disposition during the uh, during the meeting with your mayor or whatever. I mean there's all there's all kinds of uh, things like that that just slowly get put in over time. And it would be really cool if we were notified of. of yeah, yeah. I mean you need to see. <laughs> there's so many there's so many things going on now that don't have any kind of cue at all for you to know that they're happening. Right. I mean I tried to put some of the um, some of the new personality stuff that I put in for the the military. Um, I mean, I talk about it on the devlog, but I don't think uh, I don't think there's a lot of indication there about what's actually going on. I mean, part of the problem is you need a you need a good a good place to put it, and the um, the dwarves' thoughts are are you know one location that giant paragraph, but stuff kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. Uh, so, so there needs to be, um, there needs to be some way of, of putting that information across. And I mean, putting it down in an announcement would be way too, too spamish. Um, just kind of shoveling that information at you. So yeah, yeah it's a I bit of a trick. You, I wonder if you, you could have a single event and then, you know, in the announcements and then you could 
you know, open up that event and have it explain the event or something. Yeah, I mean, it would just it would just need to you know not not take up your real estate at the bottom when other things are going on, I guess. Um, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 things to things to kind of experiment with anyway. I I it was my own totally Chuck Mangione. Well, you'll have to do that for me so I can see. I mean, no. I, <laughs> I take I took an oath. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> cultures start somewhere, and when you mentioned you know the first ten years of World Gen, it made me think about Year Zero, and that's pretty much when a lot of the uh, races pop up. Will they have origin stories, and will that affect? you know, general civilization worldview and, you know, like, go oh, the elves were, you know, they sprang from the trees themselves and, you know, that's why they like trees. Then you have, like, kobolds who just, you know, popped up out of holes in the ground or, you know, sprang from up. zombie hedgehogs. <laughs> they, they were spat up by, you know, some demon and then they <laughs> worship that demon and they also worship uh, spit. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, because it, it, I mean, things all start to run afoul of each other, right? I mean, we've talked a little bit, I think, previously about um, mythology during world generation, like you know, these these pantheons having a reason for, uh, or not, or not having a reason for existing, but a uh, um, having a reality about them that has to do with the um, the the, the um, prehistory of the world and and the. Um, what is it, cosmology or whatever, like, uh, and how the how the world uh, came to be. Does this mean that you we're going to have a strong um, occurrence of non-traditional fantasy races, or or are we? Is that going to be a toggle? Yeah, that's that's the tricky question, right? That's that's kind of what I was getting at is that if you've got a dwarf, you've got a really strong notion of what it, you want a dwarf to be, but you also just set the random pantheons thing for them and then it creates a world generation myth and says, you know, the this this their their pantheon is all about, you know, lava and and uh and dancing and that it that that is Fire not re- yeah, if it's not reflected then in the their larger culture if it can't go in and override things then you've got a problem. So uh, I mean, kind of, kind of what what it would what it would want to be then is either in the raws you say uh, the flow of information is one direction, so that your specifications kind of determine what their pantheon is going to be like, so that you get a pretty good match, or you say uh, go ahead and mess with me, right, to some degree, <laughs> and then they they create you know whatever their story is, not necessarily a pantheon, but whatever the world generation myth happens to be. Then it can go in and it feels like, you know, well, you guys really need to like water more because we made you spawned out of the ocean and, and, and all that kind of thing. And, uh. That's right. You can only, only do beach fortresses. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could just flag you, um, as your culture as, you know, only being beach embarkable because of how this, how this thing worked. And that was just, that's just, <laughs> I mean, you don't want, you don't want it to be one of those things that you, you ship with the game necessarily unless it can do really good exposition <laughs> because people will be very confused. But, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, something that I, I think would be, would be really cool because, uh, it's it's good to get away from the uh, the overall straight jackets we put on ourselves. Uh, every culture is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. Where you? I, I think, mean, yeah, it's bad. I think that the important thing would be to 
if there are limitations, maybe not make them limitations so much as uh, guidelines. And if there are guidelines, make them something that the player wants to follow. Maybe through some sort of cultural benefit or something similar, or just make it, you know. Yeah, yeah, fun. for for dwarf mode, yeah. I mean, for yeah, for, for for that, it's it's those conflicts we were talking about that where, you know, we 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 let the player do what they want, but um, certainly there there are kind of norms that can be followed. It's kind of the same idea as putting a personality on your adventurer. <laughs> it's like. You're yeah. a coward. It's like your adventure is a coward. You're a coward, it's coward like, and you and it's, cry yourself to sleep every night. Yeah, and then, and then when you go to attack a monster, I mean, there are two choices, right? You can either act out of character, and maybe the game doesn't actually penalize you for that, or the game just like it's like, you no, know, you can't walk toward the monster. <laughs> I mean, that'd be annoying, right? I mean, there's this kind of sense in which in which your adventure having a personality is a is a real hindrance on play, and you'd have to be very confident in your system. If you're going to actually force restrictions, and I don't think I'd, I'd ever be confident enough in setting something up that wasn't really annoying. So, <laughs> so I'd, you'd want to allow allow kind of the maximum freedom there, and you know you could put in um, like penalties, like 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 attack penalties and stuff if it thinks that your your player should be kind of freaked out or afraid or something. But even then, it's like that. That even that interferes with role playing to a sense because maybe the confluence of events that led up to that point would not really admit cowardice even in a cowardly person for whatever reason. And if it suddenly popped up, uh, you're feeling a little afraid at the bottom of the screen or whatever minus five, then uh, that might drop you out of whatever moment you've been building toward. So. Um, it's it's difficult to to do kind of internal psychology that way and and at the same time maintain the the role playing immersion. But uh, I mean, on the other hand, maybe it enhances the role playing immersion in a lot of ways because you see that the character is behaving in a predictable fashion. So like 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 I said, it's kind of down to the quality of the system, and I'm not sure how how good I could do there. What might work in some ways would be kind of like a Ultima style, you know. If you were, you know, if you had to fight a dragon, would you, you know, throw rocks at it or sneak up behind it and hit it with a rock or drop a rock on it from a contraption you built, you know, and kind of have all these rock-themed questions? <laughs> Maybe not with the rock theme, but, you know, just kind of instilling the personality onto the character before you play it. And then, and then at that point, it I mean, I guess the issue there is is that it, Dealing with a changing situation might be difficult, uh, and yeah. that's that's kind of what I was getting at with the with the uh, with the the kind of half banked example uh, is that you you need to be able to deal with situations that where the character's personality could be overcome for a moment or something, and if it decided that you didn't overcome it, but in your mind you had, uh, that's where you start to chafe a little bit. But certainly, yeah, I mean, if if you if you write down you know what the what you think the player is like just so that you know interactions in town are kind of befitting your overall demeanor and that kind of thing is 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 um, certainly doable just kind of for an overall reactions thing i mean specific penalties and mechanics might be it still be an issue but for the overall uh reputation and just how people react to to how you are and stuff um, it could be it could be good and and also as just kind of a general um, I mean that whole kind of uh, what is it called perks and faults and all that kind of thing. 
that that uh, if that worked through you know a personality system or whatever, then um, it would be easier to swallow mostly. I mean, if if you uh, if you picked that you were cowardly and then you got uh, combat minuses all the time, at least you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, perhaps, perhaps you could, uh, you know, go on a quest to rid yourself of cowardice. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go on a quest, it should probably rid you of cowardice. <laughs> right. I guess that's one of those lessons or whatever from children's yeah. books or something. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a it's it's all about judging player intent. I mean, I don't know if it's even weird to like like halfway through your life or whatever. Or any time you want to be able to go in and tweak your personality numbers, I mean, you'd you'd have you'd run into kind of power gaming issues there, I guess, or whatever. But it's uh, it's it's kind of a thing where you can tell the tell the uh, like if you told the game like I'm angry right now, <laughs> and then it started reacting accordingly, it kind of fits back into the conversation engine. I mean, should you be able to not just say a thing, but put in the tone for how you're talking to somebody, and so kind of feed your tone. And your actual uh, content of your statement, um, and I mean tone, gestures, all that kind of thing, uh, to the extent that you want to feed that information in uh, to vary the responses, uh, you know, so that you can behave in character, and maybe you you wouldn't be able to raise your voice at somebody if you had the wrong personality for it or something. I mean, um, it's it's uh, I mean it's kind of undetermined right now, but. Uh, yeah, all all very interesting anyway. My belief is that when Dwarf Fortress gets there, when it gets close to done, it'll basically have everything that you know someone would expect. But I mean, I just think that uh, having Tarn talk about these things, you know, kind of clarifies what direction the game is going. And it will probably uh, maybe staunch some of the weird suggestions like, Toadie, you should make it so different people wear different colored clothes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess the, the, the kind of education of the, the, the fan base or whatever you'd want to call it is uh, that's kind of sort of a, a never-ending process in any case. I know. <laughs> there's, like, there's new people like coming. I want to help people. I, I want to help them enjoy the game more, but... A lot of people like show up like I played this game for ten minutes. Toadie, I have the coolest idea. You need to uh, you need to add horses. Yeah, I do need to have horses. I guess yeah. uh, I already have them, but I mean we we need them in other places. Adventurers yeah. need to have horses. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Saddlebags. Horses Llamas. need to be haulers. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and you can yeah, get horseshoes and like bits. And, what, uh, play games with horseshoes. You can uh, braid their tail. That's right. It's important to and, and color them pink and put them in a plastic box and sell them and stuff. Yep. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be plastic. It'd be a wooden box. And it, it wouldn't be plastic. It'd be rock, you know. That's right. Rock, yeah. rock pony. Like, would you take the, uh, what like, when you're making your character, it'll ask uh, if you had a limited edition pink horse in a stone box, <laughs> a box, or would you leave it in there and let it accumulate value for the elven traders? <laughs> Yeah, it's always interesting the character generation through uh, through stories and questions. I mean, some people despise that, and 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 some people like to be able to define their character in that way. I like the the ones for Liberal Crime Squad. It's like when you were a kid, <laughs> you broke into cars, or you studied really hard, or 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> you had a paintball gun. <laughs> you can kind of see what sort of benefits those bestow. Yeah, I mean that that one that one had had real tangible tangible results. Um yeah, I mean there's a trick of uh integrating it into the the world which already has a history. <laughs> and so the more the more information you give it about I mean so certain ones of the ultimate ones would be maybe difficult. It's like when you were 10 you went and spoke to the king and slew a dragon and then you gave your friend the reward or something. <laughs> uh, and it's like, but no dragon died that year. If you look at the world generation, it's like, so I could just start you with legendary liar or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, that's one of the things that complicates it, but it doesn't have to be that. I mean, we don't have to fret over it. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it certainly needs something. Was, <laughs> right yeah, now, it's just like, you're like, a wanderer named, you know, John or whatever, and here you oh, are. That was right. Um, you mentioned earlier about how, like, different cultures have, would have different names and they'd think it's weird. I always thought it was cool how if you had a custom name in adventure mode, when you told people your names, you said, oh, your parents must have been interesting. <laughs> so, you know. yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm John. What's okay, funny is one time John? I did that, I did that once and I, uh, at, my name was an actual dwarf name and I was at, I, I changed my name to, uh, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't Urist, but it was some other dwarf name, and I changed my name to that, and then I they they didn't recognize it as an actual dwarf name. Oh, I thought I yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one of those things well, where I thought I did do. that. I thought I did that. That's one of those things where I thought I fixed that, but it must be just sitting in a dev note somewhere. Maybe, I, maybe there was I definitely thought I definitely thought of that case, but I some weird don't accentuation think. I didn't use. Yeah, it's possible because you can't type those. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought I yeah I thought I checked for that, but maybe it was a total failure. Total failure. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but it's definitely the kind of thing. Uh, kind of thing we're uh, we're 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 trying to do uh, correctly. Um, what is that? What is that called here? Greeting. Goodbye. Greet. Unusual first name. <laughs> Your parents must have been interesting. You know, you don't many, meet many people with the name blank name. So blank name. Blank name, was it? <laughs> blank name. Does that mean something? <laughs> blank name. Can't say I've heard that before. Uh, yeah, so. You sound like a real jerk, blank name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, or you seem like a real blank name. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing but trouble. <laughs> oh, so... Oh, no, it does look. What's it doing here? I mean, what... I it, yeah, I, I guess I... I, I not, not, yeah, yeah. One of, one of us screwed up, and it's possible yeah. I did. I mean, I haven't... I, I don't remember if I bug-checked that or not. Yeah. But it's in there, ostensibly. Well, cultures progress kind of, like, in a spore-like manner where it's, like, you have, like, the culture... You have, like, the dwarves, and they just, like, appear from whatever creation. And then as they progress, it's like, oh, they kind of move towards, you know, a gully, and then they kind of begin to accentuate their culture towards, you know, living off of the gully. Like, they have a fondness for, the, you know, the gully herbs, and they, you know, fish the gully river, and they like those fish. And then there's a kind of branch off where, like, some of the dwarves go to, you know, a hill, and they, you know, eat the hill berries. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, what is that? Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a kind, kind of, of like a, a geographical descent. determinism type thing, right? Or it's a from... A point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, um, I mean, yeah. So say, say the year zero thing. They're just typical dwarves. And right now, the way it works doesn't. I mean, it makes makes a bit of sense, but it's kind of weird, right? Because it goes through and it picks 
like a favorite food or something. But the favorite food is any possible food uh, that's available. And it won't be visible if you haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, it could be just like, I mean, maybe some dwarf's favorite food is cheetah meat, but you haven't actually found cheetahs yet, so it's not listed. But then when they eat cheetah, they're suddenly like, oh, I just love cheetah meat. This is great. And then you go look at their profile, and it's like, he likes cheetah meat. And that's just because it kind of predetermined that their taste buds were somehow aligned to cheetah meat, no other meat. So, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the Captain Tastic's way of thinking about it is, is, is probably a much better way to handle that thing. It's like, look at the, look at the geographic information and determine whether or not they like or dislike the things that they've been exposed to. And then when they get exposed to new things, they can either like or dislike those. And if there's some kind of a more universal way of thinking about that, like liking light colors or dark colors or something so that when they find a new color, they'll like it or not, depending on, you know. A new color. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've, I've thought of a wonderful example, and I used color. Green. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it reminds me of those, those games where it's like, uh, you have the, the black and white gray world and you add color to it or whatever. And it's like when you add blue, then the dwarves can either like blue or not. But, um, but it's, 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 uh, yeah, if I had chosen a better example, it would have been, it would have been a better example. Yes. So if they bring cheese, <laughs> cow cheese, and you don't have cows, then, uh, you know, maybe you're a connoisseur of cheeses to begin with. You already like, you know, dwarven cheese and cat cheese and carp cheese, um, <laughs> made from carp milk from the carp mammary gland. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, you like, but if the dwarf likes all cheeses, then they should like that cheese too. But they shouldn't have some kind of preconceived notion about cow's milk if they've never had it before, which is how it works now. It's kind of strange. Um, so so then if they move they could kind of yeah then you start to develop a regional character and then you get things like the the traditionalist thing comes up there again um where if you've if you're like at first those those guys you know might not like the the uh the second place the hill i guess it was from the gully to the hill right and so they they yep. might not like the hill at first and long for the gully but they have recipes from the old country yeah yeah and then five generations later um a lot of dwarves might think that being hill is traditional, but then there's a few people who still remember the gully who think that's traditional. So you could actually have two traditionalist squads that are camps that that disagree with what is traditional or whatever. Um, that kind of thing. I mean, it gets trickier and trickier to store that sort of information. But um, you get two 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 nations that arise out of that: the gullies yeah, and the hills. Yeah, you have a schism. <laughs> that's right. War and then violence <laughs> and then fun. More of a progression of culture, I think, which would be great because at any given point in time that it would indicate that the culture was doing something and they were, you know, had preferences at that point. And then, you know, you could basically they actually have an actual history at different points. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the uh, storing that up at the I mean, you could I guess you could do kind of. um because it's always a storage thing, right? Especially when you're going over time with lots and lots yeah. of people. So, so, but you can do that with kind of, um, kind of a snapshot, I guess. Of, uh, I mean, there's there's the internal snapshots inside important people, where it, it can it can track their history, but it can't do that for too many people. And then the other people, there can kind of be a, uh, I mean, I guess it, it it can just take like say the I don't know thousand or so most important bits of uh, information. 
uh, and create a snapshot every 10 years for the entity or something. So or that when special events happen. Yeah, like yeah. This I is mean, when, you know, we invented carp cheese <laughs> during the great, you know, famine. Yeah, yeah. You'd have you'd have the you'd have the historical events. You'd have the important historical events, and I mean that's it's the the tricky part is reconstructing the entities. I mean, going like you 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 could if you tracked every change, you could go back in time and kind of reverse engineer the changes, but that's kind of slow, and you couldn't track everything. So like like uh, certain certain just thoughts about you know copper. What are the dwarves' thoughts about copper uh, yes. <laughs> in general, or whatever? So if you have snapshots, um, it might it might it might make that a little better. And then you could kind of track, you know, trends in copper. It's almost like the stock market or something, or the the yeah. monetary mineral markets or whatever the heck they're called. Futures, cattle futures, <laughs> futures. Uh, so you, yeah, yeah, you can look at the uh, you can look at the 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 you know those. The, I mean, you, there's no reason you really want to do this, but just you know how people have thought about various things over time the most important bits anyway um so that's i mean that's that's the thing when you want when you want to meet a dwarf uh, i mean the reason to do this is if you meet a dwarf they need to have some kind of picture in their head of 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 their likes and dislikes but since that dwarf would would likely not have that information stored in them if they're just a dwarf off the street or out of the mine or whatever uh, when you walk into a new settlement, that dwarf needs to have their their information placed into their head once you talk to them about these things. So uh, it would have to do that through their entities, um, the, the the larger groups that they're associated with. And so those need to have that information tracked. And if the dwarf has been living there for 60 years, it can't just use the information sitting in the entity at that moment because that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of like the new kids like that stuff. And so it's it's like the, the Twilight <laughs> stuff and all that, where you have, you know, 60 years ago when people were into other things, um, you know, they'd be they'd be uh, you know that dwarf. If it, I mean, I guess you could take the the six chap like if you took a snapshot every 10 years, you take those six snapshots for that dwarf, and then take their traditionalism and a few other things and kind of cast their 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 line back <laughs> you know as far as it needs to go and right. uh, that's what that dwarf can believe so i mean it's 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 interesting um to try and set that up uh back in my day blood sucking vampires <laughs> were evil but now they're sexy hunks i don't understand these newfangled things that's right or you can i have... don't understand my feelings towards this <laughs> <laughs> yeah or you can have people you know like my grandfather that was you know rollerblading in the 80s or whatever <laughs> just kind of an early, early adopter <laughs> now you're gonna want now people are gonna post about rollerblading dwarves and i mean <sighs> then we're gonna get into spandex and sunglasses and it's just never gonna end day glow colors and <sighs> Coke clear. <laughs> just, just not worth. Coke clear. Just not worth it. Is that like Sprite or something? Pepsi clear. I mean, I don't is know. Pepsi, yeah, is that is that like like Sprite or whatever? I don't. It was, know it was a little trend there for about two years. It was or one year. I don't know. It was very short. Okay, so we're gonna take a break. Uh, Captain Tastic is going to be departing for another adventure. Yeah, and, I gotta take off. And. Um, Tarn and I are going to go over your questions. And so thanks for joining us. Captain. No problem. Always a pleasure, Doctor. <laughs> now watch out, Captain Dr. calls you Doctor. Tarn. Yeah, I mean, if he calls you Doctor, if he puts some name after that, that kind of makes you a villain. Yeah. Oh. 
Dr. Charn Adams and his mind-controlling device. Yeah, so now Captain's going to come over to my house and kick my ass. All right. Yep. Lock me All in right. some kind of jail or yeah. insane asylum or something. Have at it, you two. All right. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Here with uh, our illustrious programmer, Tarn Adams, and myself, I'm Rainseeker, and we're going to be addressing some of your fine questions that you've asked. Yeah, yeah, lots of questions in here. We do have lots of questions here. Um, Well, um, I think that I'll start the first one with a question from one Mr. Slack. he says, have you considered a barber stylist type job where dwarves can wander around and clean up other dwarves? <laughs> In addition, have you considered of uh, things like piercings, tattoos, gold teeth, or other body decorations that the dwarves or the barbers could create? Are there any technical hur- hur- hurdles to something like that? Um, so, uh, yeah, we have earrings, right? I think uh, you don't need to pierce to put them in, but... Uh, because we didn't have the uh, the wound system for it, but we have it now. <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah so 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 earrings uh, tattoos we've considered um, and uh, that that's all good. I'm not sure about barbers creating the tattoos and stuff, but it's uh, I mean I don't know like like there's the styling there's the hairstyles right now, but right now dwarves just kind of take care of their own their own their own hairstyle. I mean I, it would be a um, I mean, I guess some somebody somebody elevated to the position of being a professional that takes care of beards seems like a very reasonable um, profession yeah. for dwarves to have. It's a beardist. Uh, a beardist, uh, especially if you mod in the female beards, because um, <laughs> then you need you have two. You, you know, everybody, yeah, everybody would <laughs> would be involved then. Uh, because yeah, I mean, having the men be the only one with stylists is 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 in unbalanced. Um, but uh, yes, because there's there's triple braided beards and all kinds of things now, and uh, someone would need to set that up. I mean, I certainly couldn't triple braid my own beard even if I had one. Uh, so so it's it's a it's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure when. Um, Thing, when or who for things like tattoos? I mean, the more little mechanics you add in, the more dwarves you kind of need hanging around, um, and you, you know you'd hope that you don't you don't go too overboard with it. I guess they could do it part time. People won't be getting <laughs> tattoos all the time, That's but right. then how do they get skill at it? I mean, it'd be really horrible to have like these really <laughs> ugly kind of kind of uh, you know horrible tattoos, <clears throat> just big blocky letters and hearts and stuff and. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know, incorrect uh, characters from other languages and stuff pasted all over their bodies. And uh, it's very popular to put elven characters on your body. Yeah, yeah, all these dwarves with elven characters on their beards that say like "tree killer" and stuff like that. <laughs> At least they think it does, but it actually says like "I love Mother Earth" or something. 
And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, you'd want to, you'd want to, I mean, maybe they could practice on animals or something. There's a bunch of cats around. You could <laughs> no. shave, shave the cat and then tattoo stuff in the side and have all the cats branded when you corral them into their corrals and stuff. <laughs> the cat corrals. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of herding cats? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's important. <laughs> hey, Mr. Mr. Bear all right. Cats. Our next one comes from Jim DeMont. Um, saying, what are your plans to make the game more accessible to new players? Uh, yeah, we have, we have, we have plans. Um, you know, who knows when, as usual, but <laughs> it's, uh, the, the plans we have for that are, um, you know, there's, there's a couple things that keep people out of the game, uh, mainly. I mean, one of the big impediments, of course, is the, uh, the ASCII display. I mean, as we've seen from some of the utilities that that have been popping up, um, you know, there's there's more people would be playing the game if uh, if if they had a, a reasonable uh, look, you know, tiles and all that isometric type stuff, all that kind of thing. Uh, and we're planning to to support that stuff over time. And I mean, it's always a a, 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 there's a, there's issues there, of course, that we've gone over in the past about, you know, how, how fast development will be, you know, how many other people need to be brought on board and, and what kind of trouble that can cause and all that kind of stuff. Right. But aside from that, uh, there's, there's the, I mean, there's the issue of the, of the, of the interface as, as a larger, uh, picture just, just in terms of, you know, having keys that are consistent and make sense. Mouse support's a huge thing for people. Uh, and we're, we're planning on, on doing that thing. The main thing there is uncoupling Dwarf Fortress from all the curses crap that, you know, been there for years, which is the, the kind of ASCII. Um, stuff that, that ties it in so you can't have like variable width fonts right now, which you'd really want to have to have like bigger tiles and have a smaller menu that can kind of hide off somewhere by itself and so on. And then there's also the notion of now, I mean, even if you had a streamlined interface and, you know, graphical, uh, characters and so on, the game would still be very inaccessible because you still start the game and your dwarves would just be milling around and you still wouldn't know what to do. Right. So, uh, now I, I mean, uh, tutorials are, seem like a very reasonable thing. I mean, I know a few people are kind of against them, um, for whatever reason, but I, I don't, I don't see another way. Um, yeah. and then you need, you, I mean, there need to be quite a few tutorials and it would be good to explore ways to make those, um, kind of as, as, as fun as possible, uh, without being a, you know, cause sometimes a tutorial can really be a hassle. Right. But it's, it's it, yeah, so it'll take some work to get those, get those polished, but you've just gotta make sure people know how to dig, they know how to make buildings and, and, um, do the other jobs that the, the dwarves need to do. And it's, um, and also kind of uh, get across maybe some of those concepts about how the world works and how how you know it's okay to to fail and you're kind of encouraged to 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 let your game die and um that kind of thing uh because it goes on really your game is connected to the entire world so if you build a new yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd want it. You, 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 it's good to get that thing across. And so, a tutorial is actually a good platform in that sense to uh, to instill, you know, some of the some of the concepts um, 
uh, overarching concepts of of the game and not really I mean I wouldn't say how it's meant to be played but just how it can be played. Right. Um so so that that that's uh that that's kind of the the three-pronged thing we've got right now. I mean I could have missed some of the little dev items that are there and other items that are that have been floated in like the what turns you off from Dwarf Fortress thread and so on that because I know there are a lot of good ideas in there but the three things that spring to mind immediately are um graphics and uh consistent controls with mouse support and so on and uh, as well as uh, uh, tutorials right. alright so I had a comment here that I was going to read from Zanaris X-A-N-A-R-E-S uh, he says my lord the general has been abducted his last command was gaga gugu <laughs> yeah I believe that's from that's the uh, that's from the devlog where we had uh, we had babies <laughs> Babies being uh, rising to important positions, uh, right. you know, at age <laughs> one or whatever. <laughs> I was just, I just thought that was a funny comment on that. <laughs> um, on world generation, you recently noted. Oh, I'm sorry, this is from Andrew K. On world generation, you recently noted that the world in game isn't the whole world. I.e., it only has one pole. How permeable is the edge to new things coming in? Uh, right now, I mean, nothing comes in right now. Uh, there used to be migrants that were generated on the edges, uh, and they would just get these kind of foreign culture entities, um, which would be much like the entities that are in the world, except they just have, you know, different selections of items and things. And, I mean, that's the idea right now, because there's going to be, when we hit wars, there are going to be potential depopulation problems and all kinds of other trouble. And one of the possible solutions of that is just to allow things to come in from the sides. Now, I know some people are going to dislike that because um, if things come in from the sides, then the effects that you're having on the world are are very local and you you, you might not feel that you have as much control as you want to have over the situation. So certainly a, like an init thing or a world generation parameter thing, most likely right. that you could just check and be like, nah, my edges are not permeable. And then in that case, I mean, we could even do something like, um, like have them always be water or have them, you know, drop off into space, uh, doing things like, um, having the world be a torus, meaning that the left edge and right edge wrap or have it be, um, I'm not sure what happens if you go in through the top and and come out through the top on another side. Like if you're actually trying to create a sphere, you're probably actually creating some kind of weird projective space or something, just some mess. Um, but but uh, well, though the, I mean the left and right edges wrapping is more like you know one half of an annulus and then the or one one face of an annulus and then the having the top wrapped to the bottom would be really weird, especially if it was from you know the pole to the to the the yeah. pole to the desert or whatever that that would right. be a Taurus, but that's that's uh, you know uh, right. so but any kind of option I mean it just has to be supported by the pathfinding routine which is easy enough I mean you just give it a few extra rules or whatever and uh, that would be uh, I mean the world pathfinding routine not your dwarf mode pathfinding routine right um, although I mean does that mean that you'd be able to settle a site like half on one edge and half on the other and then you'd have to be able to load those blocks correctly and so on. It does get, I mean, there are certain annoyances that you get there uh, if you allow more than that. And like the adventurer, when the adventurer walks through the edge, it has to know how to load the blocks correctly. I mean, it's not a huge problem, but it's a little little issue. 
And um, that's that's kind of the obstacle there. Uh, so that's why we've just gone with the, kind of this local this local region. There was the two reasons: one, it's the easiest to implement; second, uh, it allows you to repopulate regions more easily. But um, you know, I mean, we're we're open to 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 uh, helping people that want to have rounder, more self-contained worlds. Very good. Um, I have a question here from the catfish. Um, what have been the most surprising or inspiring or ingenious things you found commu- uh, emerging from the community? Um, so, so the the one that the one that 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 struck me, I guess, in the the vaguely recent memory was that that um, computer, uh, <laughs> the uh, one that used like two thousand uh, two thousand mechanical pieces and. And uh, had a seven-segment counter and stuff. I mean, that, as far as a technical achievement, was something that's far beyond, you know, what I was expecting, anticipated, or or even understand. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then there, the the other things are just the the big stories, um, the big the big popular stories when people get those working, working well, and it's, you know, the succession games when they pass them around and right. and that that's all been really cool. Um, and I forgot all the different little pieces of that question. I don't know if I've said something that was inspiring or whatever the other ones were, but those are the two things that come to mind. Cool. Um, our next one is from uh, R.A. Browning. Um, he is saying that a few of the members of the modding forum discovered that if you mess around with the RAWs, you're able to embark with intelligent, or at least can learn and can speak pets, who are counted as members of civilization. And you can given tasks like hunting, fishing, or retreat to the military. <laughs> if they aren't given any tasks, they mostly stand around talking to one another and gaining experience at their little animal man parties. <laughs> My question is this. Are there any plans to expand on this interesting phenomenon in later versions of the game, such as by allowing the intelligent pets to equip weapons and armor and fight alongside the controlling sieve, or to allow them to take up other labors on a limited basis? Yeah, I mean, the... the uh the the pet part I guess is the strange part of that. I mean this this is this actually ties in very very closely to the to the people that had the um, the elf queen of their dwarven society show up and then the elf queen was kind of broken. And the problem is the old code, the oldest stuff assumes that members of your civilization are all the same race, and the newer stuff just just needs them to be. Uh, uh, potential participants they need to have uh, in most cases can learn and can speak or in, in some cases just can learn and then they can join in to civilization activities so what you're seeing with the pets is the same thing you see with the elf queen most likely you just wouldn't have noticed the hunting and fishing probably because the nobles can't be recruited in general for that kind of stuff so it's it's just kind of this weird split i mean the weird part there is that the, they're also a pet <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that 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 I'm not sure how to deal with offhand. Exactly. It's like that's that's like I mean, what does that mean? Is that is that dwarven slavery or is that <laughs> is that just a really affectionate relationship or something or or I don't know. And uh, and so the the but the answer about rebellions and things it, it's like anything that dwarves will be able to do later. Um, you know, it's it's uh, they'll be able to do. I'm. I mean, we don't, we haven't really planned a lot, uh, for version one, especially for, 
for you know massively interracial forts with with or or what is that many multiracial multiracial forts with uh with you know like 10 goblins hanging out but really when you get back to some of this entity stuff we were talking about there it, there should be a notion of 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 them clicking up a bit and making a uh, a sub-entity, at least for certain races. I mean, it's quite possible that goblins, with all their kidnapping behavior and so on, don't really see the species of the creatures the same way and might not even click up based on their goblin nature unless they're spurned by the the rest of the dwarves or something. Uh, it's, it's all going to depend on how that works out. I mean, I don't pretend to have the algorithm set up for, for making sure that stuff is going to work right, but um, you know, hopefully that would be one of the main considerations when you... Uh, when you start forming subgroups like Miners Guild and so on, is it if there's multiple species in the fort? I have a question here from Zwei, Z-W-E-I. Um, considering that leaders have motivations and goals, do civilizations as a whole have something similar, like will players uh, made fortresses be tied to them too? Most real-world fortresses start as a way to tap resources of land. For- player fortresses, however are fairly common in this regard and totally free to do whatever the heck they want. Literal sandbox. Will Fortress mode have more of a historical or purposeful feel? So, yeah, I mean, right now, one of the main (laughs) kind of, you know, giant question marks sitting above dwarf mode is, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? (laughs) It's like you're just seven dwarves strike out and make a fortress for no reason. But they come from a civilization. So, I mean, I'm not sure if, if um like in terms of the civilizations having goals versus the leaders having goals i mean someone's making decisions right. although although you know many members of the society can understand and push those decisions and so on so i mean there's there's a civilization aspect maybe that's what you mean um but the uh the uh the player fortresses then i mean i think i think it would be really 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 cool uh to have a point <laughs> for uh, for what you're doing because I mean, especially yeah. for people that don't, you know, that aren't just going to go build, uh, you know, some crazy um, mega project or whatever, that don't have some kind of meta game agenda like that. The, uh, the um, you know, looking at the world itself, I mean, there certainly should be a reason for what you're doing. I mean, you're either, I mean, you're, you're like how closely tied is your expedition to the official fortress? Is it something, I mean, right now they all seem very officially supported because there's outpost liaisons and so on, but it would be, you know, pretty trivial to just, have you your your dwarves say optionally be um you know fleeing from persecution or something and right. then you wouldn't have an outpost liaison and you know all the merchants that come would be more freelance or something like the humans and elves and so on and maybe dwarves from a different dwarven civilization and then you wouldn't have the benefit of the outpost liaison and you might actually run into trouble when the dwarves come and hunt you down or whatever. <laughs> and that would be that would all be very cool and and it's something that's that's kind of been floating around for for years. Um uh, I don't remember pre-release post-release but you know it's saying you know what what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are these dwarves doing out there? And I think uh, yeah, I think that that's only going to make the game better when we right. when we answer those questions. But um don't have a timeline as usual. <laughs> Okay, here's one from Steb. For the next episode of GF Talk, I'd like to ask a question about soil. In the future, will it be possible to have items buried in the soil, such as relics from World Gen Battles that you uncover in Dwarf Mode by digging? So, there is a buried embedded 
like an embedded flag right now. Like if you do a cave-in, the items will will if it will be. I think I think it works for cave-ins. I mean, it's used somewhere where they become embedded um, in in the rock. The items become embedded, and you can dig them out again. So that part that part's there. There should be kind of a shallow buried one for something like putting a ring under the dirt or something in adventure mode that stays in the same tile so you don't have to like yeah. stuff it way down to the wall or something <laughs> uh and uh like the wall under your feet the the whole z level down but uh yeah so that that mechanics in there but as far as like relics from world gen battles and stuff one of the uh, core items for development for version one uh, i don't recall the number off the top of my head but it's one of the hundred um, the things that needs to be done is is old battlefields from World Gen because right now those are uh, unused and I mean they're they're entirely uh, unused. You have this this battlefield; it knows where they are. If you look at the Legends screen, if you call up the battle, um, uh, it it uh <laughs> it, it shows exactly where it was. Yeah, it's Core 69 old battlefields. And so they have they have their locations, but there are no traces of them. Where whereas when you if you go there, especially if it's a recent battle, then there should be a lot of crap. And and yeah, there's there's also nothing about like with the ruins. Ruins just kind of uh, decay over time, but there's no sediment laid down, uh, so things don't be, ever become buried. And I think it's it's crucial to bury things, especially in a game that involves this much digging. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. So those are planned. Uh, there's uh, if you if you look at core 67, there's ruins there. Core 68 is graveyards and tombs, which is related. Core 69 is battlefields, uh, old battlefields, and core 70 is fortress ruins. Uh, like like how how that specifically relates to your own fortress and the ruins there. So those those four core items are all are all meant to address that kind of thing. I have a question from Tata Cool, saying, um, I was curious if in the future you will look into exploring symbiotic relationships. We may already have some basic relationships since dwarves can have pets and they can uh, develop a bond with. But I wonder if you'll open the opportunity in the future for wild animals to develop symbiotic relationships with other wild animal species. So... Um I mean, in terms of like hard-coded stuff, um, I mean, I see these these examples about uh, ox peckers feeding on rhino ticks and and sea anemones providing shelter and so on. I mean, I'm really interested in animal behavior and so on uh, personally. So that's the kind of thing that most likely would creep in on a whim, <laughs> along with all the other uh, kind of animal improvements. I mean, we don't have a specific. Uh, development goal for for symbiotic relationships but it's it's the kind of thing that um that would creep in i mean right now we don't we don't have we we have to probably address the big um kind of elephants in the room or whatever you want to call them like like <laughs> a uh, a lion walking by the deer and they just kind of can sit next to each other and you know all the animals sat together and were at peace and it's yes. it's it's trouble. Beautiful. 
It is, it's like the peaceable kingdom or whatever. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, once so, so I, I am assuming that before we explore symbiotic re- relationships, we will explore predator, <laughs> predator prey relationships. Right. It's already symbiotic. I mean, gosh, yeah. <laughs> the lions will defend the deer after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly what happens. So yeah, right now the lion pecker is like the, an enemy providing shelter for the clownfish. Um, so yeah. So no, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I feel very positive about about the uh, the topic at hand. Um, and once the bigger fish are fried, uh, that's certainly something that that would start to creep up. Yeah. Now, now, if a lion kills a deer, does that mean that the dwarf is going to go fetch that deer carcass that's <laughs> standing next to the lion? <laughs> Uh, what what is the restriction now? I think the the butchers try and grab any corpses within twenty tiles or something, and the hunters return kills that they killed themselves. Okay. And that that's actually way too strict right now because you know, a lot of times you'll get like a a corpse that bled to death or got shot by an arrow and then di- didn't get tagged right or something, and they'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. That happens too often. Okay, so um, here's a uh, probably a quick one from Mr. Slack. With healthcare, <clears throat> with healthcare revamped and ready for the next release, how far away is the functionality of giving healthcare to pets? Now here's a sob story. I have a dog with two broken legs trying to make it on its way back from my fort, That's horrible. and it's heartbreaking to watch it shuffle a few steps, fall unconscious, and then shuffle a few more steps over and over and over <laughs> for the better part of a season. It's very yeah, sad. that's miserable. Poor, poor Lassie. Yeah, I mean, there. This is one I don't. I, I don't remember the um, the answer to because because there there's animal health care in a sense in the currently released version, like the the animal if it can limp over to the guy that provides animal health care, it just needs to be within a radius of it and then it will heal much faster. That's kind of how it works now. But when I when I uh, remove that that profession, um. Then I don't know what took its place, if anything. Uh, that could very well be one of the items that's on the uh, on the like last little requests. Um, uh, yeah, there's this little thing called vets here. <laughs> uh, what is this saying? Is this some last thing I just have to? Yeah, here it is. And that's on. Yeah, it's under the last remaining request section of the uh, of the release. Is like you know either keep that little magical healing radius thing, or uh, slap some tags on them so they can bring a bring a dog to your hospital tables or something. So um, we're gonna get something uh, one way or the other. And uh, if it doesn't go because I'm trying to you know get the game out and stuff, uh, if it doesn't go the direction of giving healthcare to pets in a kind of more meaningful fashion, then at least we're never going to be that far from it code-wise, even if we're far away from it time-wise. So it's something that if it continues to come up, it, it'll probably be dealt with, especially as people bring more horrible stories about their dead and dying animals. Middle Mr. Scamps has to be sitting here watching and hearing about this. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Mr. Scamps? Uh, he's already he's been sleeping most of this recording. Excellent, Mr. Scamps. Yes, he's an excellent animal. Of course, there was right at the beginning he tried to yank my head off, so I guess it all evens out. <laughs> oh yeah, t- t- tell everybody about um, what Scamps does if you try to do laundry. Okay, so <laughs> so my my uh, my my 
my apartment has a little washer and dryer. They're the smallest ones I've ever seen, but I have them, which is something to be thankful for. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, I mean, I can wash like four shirts, and that's about it, or something. They're really small, but uh, you, they're they're in this little alcove next to the little the little room with the the sink and the 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 kitchen. It's like a very small kitchen, and uh, and so scamps. This is the like the one part of the house that scamps has not been able to explore because the alcove is closed most of the time. I'm not sure if it's an alcove. It's like a closet. It's like a laundry closet, I'm sure. Some of you have seen those. And it has a little door. So he's not allowed in there because there's little detergent gets dropped there sometimes, and I just don't want him snooping around in there. And uh, so it's closed. And whenever I do laundry, he's very curious about this. Now, he recently acquired the ability to jump up on the kitchen shelf. Uh, which has changed my lifestyle considerably, but uh, he's, he's he's figured that one out. And so now, when he comes, uh, when I, when I'm doing laundry, the closest he can get to investigating is jumping up on the kitchen shelf and trying to kind of peek around to see the laundry. But he can't peek around because it's it's too far around the little wall that separates the laundry from the kitchen. So what he'll do instead is just scratch my arm. <laughs> just like just meow and scratch my arm and I mean I don't know if he's just waiting for me to pick him up and hold him and show him the machines or something I mean I could take him on a little tour I remember taking him on the tour of the sink a couple days ago because he'd been recently jumping up on the kitchen shelf so I showed him how to turn the sink on and off has he and, tried to do that? Uh, he has, he, he's kind of he, he understands I think that the knob influences the water like those pigeons that learn how to press buttons i mean pretty much every every animal seems to be able to figure out button pressing so it's uh he knows that the 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 knob has to do like he's figured out doorknobs too so he i think he he understands the knob turns the water on and off he's not sure what to think of the water itself (laughs) this water shooting down uh i mean he'll he'll investigate it and he likes to stand in the sink and look at the water from like an inch away but (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we, we have not completed his lessons on the sink. But we might have to bring him to laundry class so he can learn <laughs> about the laundry instead of scratching my arm. Um, probably be good. <laughs> I have another question here from Van. And he says, curiously enough, that you should cover vehicles in one of the upcoming DF Talks. And he wants to talk about siege vehicles, mounts, and boats. Yeah, so I mean, we have. Uh, I guess I, I remember I made that post. There was someone. Someone wrote a thing about boats, and then I posted a giant thing about boats, and then uh, and the siege vehicles were going to kind of run into the ideas about boats. I don't remember if we've actually had that on a DF talk or not. Uh, uh, talking about boats, uh, I'm not sure. I don't recall the siege vehicles, like multi-tile things that can move around and and I think so on. We talked a little bit about multi-tile stuff. Yeah, because the large issue there is turning. You know, should you only be able to point four directions? Because right. uh, it's it's kind of mathematically impossible to have more um, without breaking the grid system or breaking the relationships between grids and so on, or changing the number of grids. And you can't do any of those things really safely. So <laughs> now, if you just even if a thing turns four directions, it can still move in many more directions by doing kind of an up, up, over, up, up, over, up, up, over thing. Right. Um, so I mean, it's it's not like they'll be completely dissatisfying. It's just if you're trying to navigate <laughs> a, uh, like a narrow, 
thing that you'd normally be able to navigate the like a narrow channel that you'd normally be able to navigate a boat through but suddenly you have to corner and it's like turn 90 degrees or whatever then <laughs> then you might run into issues but um other than that uh it's it's a uh or you make all the boats squares or something i think that'd be pretty ugly though and uh yeah but i mean i'm as as far as as covering it on a df talk i mean we can always put it up for i'll put it up for vote um next month is taken by adventure mode but after that um well it's up to to i don't know yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah but uh yeah i i've uh waded through all the questions i think that uh we're gonna cover tonight yeah, uh, we'll always have more to ask, so. Yeah. And, uh, remember, uh, if you want to ask questions, there is a little, um, thread there to point you in the right direction, um, under the GF general discussion. Um, it's entitled, uh, Dwarf Fortress Talk Questions by Email with the link inside. Makes it easy for you. Um, also, I'd like to thank Captain Tastic for being on this week and um, for fighting the forces of evil. I'd also like to thank Scamps for mauling uh, Toady One continually. Uh, mauling mauling Toady One a little less than last time, maybe, for being a well-behaved darling baby cat. That's right. Well, I'd like to thank him nonetheless for mauling you just a little <laughs> bit. Um, also, I'd like to thank uh, you, Tarn, for coming on with us this week, and it was very good. Yeah, yeah, I had fun again. Fun and fun as usual. Yeah. It was fun to talk about Dwarf Fortress. It is good because it's <laughs> good to hear you talk about it because this is everybody enjoys this, uh, this game and, um, we appreciate your efforts. And, uh, is there anything that you would like to say before we sign off, sir? Um, well, I guess, uh, we'll need to, to credit, credit the, the music people. Right. Uh, yes, yes. 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 So, so you can go ahead and credit the music people. Um, okay. Also, we <laughs> want to thank Olier and our transcriptor Malox. Malox. And I think that's it. I think yep. these are the people that think everyone asked questions this week. If we didn't thank them already, we'll thank them now. Anyway, we appreciate all your questions. And um, if you would like to um, ask more questions, even if your question has been asked, we don't care. Go ahead. Ask another question. We like good questions. And congratulations goes to Sice, who completed the Santa's Village Fortress Challenge. Well... I will see you guys next week, I guess, or next month. I yeah, will next see month. you guys next month. That's quite possible. I'm angry. Yes. <laughs> we know you are, Captain. <laughs> we know. What's going on? Who knows what's going on? This is all very exciting. Oh, by the way, Captain Tastic, um, I've been meaning to ask you this. Uh, it's some, somewhat of a debate between Tarn and I. Uh, what is your superpower? 
Um, don't put me on the spot like that. As long as it doesn't involve hurting little cats. Little cats no, are safe. Yeah, 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 you can fly up to the tree. He save slings the little cats through his sleeves. No. No. Save the kitty from the tree. <laughs> save the kitty. What you doing up there, Mr. Scamps? No, oh, he's just sleeping. You're a good Mimicat. Yes, sir. We're gonna have to schedule around the holidays and stuff, but uh, we will. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have much to do during the holidays, so <laughs> I guess we'll just, we'll just go by what, what you two are doing. Because <laughs> you, you don't have any uh, little nieces or nephews running around, do you? No, no, no one, no one's around here causing trouble and so on. We're just gonna have a little, little family thing. Although it is Scamp's first Christmas. <laughs> first Christmas, he's going to be spoiled, obviously. And then on February 8th will be Scamp's first birthday. <laughs> he will be spoiled again. Oh, all right. So I don't know how he's going to make it through January without being spoiled, but he'll have to get he'll have to get used to it. January is always going to be a very dull month for Scamp's. No birthday, no Christmas. Well, that'll be good. <laughs> that'll be good. Little okay. baby Scamp's. He's a little baby, baby, baby cat. He's trying to sleep, but it's so, so hard when someone's patting his belly. You having trouble sleeping when I'm patting your little belly. You're going to scratch my face if I don't stop. That's right. Isn't that right, Mr. Scamps? Now he's just glaring at me. <laughs> what? Well, it has to be tummy time every day. You know that. <laughs> tummy time each day for a small baby cat. Tummy time, tummy time. <laughs> Ach, for all you laddies and lassies out there that have gotten this far in the podcast, I congratulate you. You've really stuck it out. And for that, I'd like to issue a Dwarf Fortress challenge. I want you to build me a Tower of Soap. Aye, Soap. Aye, we want a home of soap. The bigger, the better. The more complicated, the more points you'll get. So, whoever wins this challenge... Of having the craziest and most interesting soap tower, we'll get a shout out from Rainseeker on the next Dwarf Fortress talk. You need to put your screenshots and descriptions of it in the general discussion section of the forums under the sticky topic called Challenge Soap Fortress. Tell them Urus sent you. Oh, and also don't forget that Toady One makes all his money from donations. You're free to donate on the front of his website using the PayPal button. Thanks. Hi, laddie, don't just sit there. Go play some Dwarf Fortress!